Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Bonnie Harris. Bonnie is the director of ConnectiveParenting.com. She's the founder of the Parent Guidance Center. She's been training parents for over 30 years. She's conducted trainings all around the world. She has written two books, When Kids Push Your Buttons and What You Can Do About It, as well as Confident Parents, Remarkable Kids, Eight Principles for Raising Kids You'll Love to Live With. She has really broken down the psychology behind why parents get their buttons pushed by their kids and even broken down how it it can relate to your psychology as a parent, things that happened to you in your past, and most importantly, what you can do about it and how you can stop the cycle and get kids back on track. So really excited to sit down with Bonnie and pick her brain about how these principles are relevant to parenting teenagers today. So I uh, have now read two of your books here, When Kids Push Your Buttons and Confident Parents, Remarkable Kids. They're just like so packed with insights and psychology uh, and, and totally actionable stuff that parents can like immediately just dive into and say, oh, I see, I've been doing that. I got to change that. And so I'm really curious, like how you kind of developed these. You talk in these books about how you're, you know, parenting your kids. Uh, Molly, your daughter, you have a lot of stories about kind of that in your books. And then also kind of stuff that you studied in graduate school. Where did this like come from? Molly is definitely my teacher, and I learned everything from her. But I also learned from the parenting groups that I was running. So Mm. I developed this program, the Effective Parenting Workshop, that I taught to parents for years. And it was just full of great tools, you know, good communication tools and stuff. And parents were loving it. And was like they couldn't wait to get home to try this out. And they were thinking, why didn't I think of this? And blah, blah, blah. It seems so (laughs) easy. And then maybe about the third week into the class, inevitably, somebody would say, now I feel worse than ever. Uh... And I went, oh, what? Now I feel worse than ever because... I know what I want to do now, but I still can't do it. And I thought either two things, I'm not teaching it very well, or they're not practicing enough. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that neither of those was the answer. The answer was because their button was getting pushed. Uh... And so I didn't know what was going on. And one day I witnessed something between my husband and my daughter. And it was like, it rang a bell. His button's getting pushed. That's why. And then, so what does that mean? Okay. 
your button is getting pushed. So when that happens, you can't respond the way you want to. But why? Right. And I didn't really know. And so I decided to start running classes called Diffusing Your Buttons. And so every class I ran, I learned more and more from the parents who were in the class. Ah. Then I put it together with the psychology that I know. And suddenly, bingo, I got it. And I was able to put together that the the real button-pushing situations that I had with Molly's story in the book on preschool mornings when we got into power struggles every single morning, I realized that what I thought when I saw that, ugh, that little face that I hated with her lip sticking out three feet, that lip lasted for about three years. I just wanted to cut it (laughs) off. Anyway, whenever I saw that, and I didn't realize this till much later, I thought, she's out to get me. Right. She is out to get me. Mm -hmm. She is doing this on purpose. And so this was... You know, after I had realized that the thing that happens when we get our buttons pushed is that it's not that my child's behavior is making me react the way I do. It's not even that my child's behavior is making me feel a certain way and then react the way I do. It's all happening inside my head. It's all, it all has to do with the thoughts and the perceptions that I have in that instant. And we don't realize it. We don't pay attention to that. Right. So it was, she's out to get me that led me to feel so angry and put upon and furious. And how can this little pipsqueak do this to me? I can't (laughs) let this happen. I'm a good parent. I have to stop this, right? Right. So then we went into a power struggle. Uh. And one morning, you know, I was still reading and learning and but here I am running these groups with parents trying to help them better communicate with their kids. (laughs) and I'm at home screaming at my daughter every morning. But one morning, the same, same child came through the door, same look on her face, same lip sticking out, nothing (laughs) different from her. But I thought to myself, wait a minute, she's not out to get me. She's miserable. Mm. And just that thought, my head did a 180-degree switch. And when I looked at her and saw that she was miserable, I felt compassion. It was all about her. When I thought she was out to get me, it was all about me, right? What she right. was doing to me, what I had to do to make her stop, what, you know, and this huge weight is on every parent's shoulders 
about what should I do? What shouldn't I do? How do I have to, how do I do this? How do I make her do blah, blah, blah. It just was like this complete switch in my head. And I got it together with, you know, the groups I was running and testing this over and over and over again with all the parents in my groups that I realized, and, and this is coming out now in lots of theories, lots of psychology, lots of books, but nobody talked about this when I wrote When Your Kids Push Your Buttons. And so it was kind of a new idea. It's hard for parents because it means you're the one, you, the parent, are the one who has to do the work. Right. But, you know, your kid isn't going to do it. That's right. The good news is there's nothing wrong with your kids. (laughs) (laughs) They're just doing what they've been taught to do. They're just doing what they're, you know, what they're doing. Well, and... As you point out in here, they want to be successful. I mean, they're they're yes. trying to thrive and get exactly. their needs met, and, exactly. uh, and and they're just. I think kids are just like little experimenters. I've been getting into learning about how machine learning works because a, a study that we're doing in our lab, we're using machine learning to build a model that recognizes alcohol in social media posts. Oh wow! We're analyzing how you know seeing alcohol on social media affects teenagers, but so. It's been a real process for me of learning about the technology of how you can build a model in a computer that will be able to recognize things and pictures in, and it learns things, you know? It's really interesting watching how it does this because it basically just like starts making kind of random, you know, educated guesses based on the data that you've given it. And then you start telling it, no, that guess was wrong. That guess was right. That guess was wrong. That guess was right. And through those iterative processes of doing that, it, it learns. I wish we were like machines and could learn right? that way. <laughs> but it is, that is what kids do. You know, it's like, yes. you write in your book, they want to be successful and they're trying different strategies to get their needs met. And they, some of them are bad strategies, yes. like throwing tantrums uh, when they're younger or, yes. or, you know, acting out or as teenagers. Screaming at you or throwing something. And yes, exactly. Right. And what you've, what you've mapped out in this book is the problem arises when the bad strategies that they're using to get their needs met push your button as a parent. Exactly. exactly. And then you fly off the handle and then it, the whole situation just spirals out of control. That's right. And what's cool is you don't just, you know, talk about this in general in your book. I mean, you've got this, like you've got diagrams, you've actually mapped out like the specific steps of what, uh, at these eight different types of buttons, specific types of buttons and how they get pushed and how that a lot of times it starts as a parent in your own childhood and kind of in the things that you wanted from your parents. And now you're trying to give those things to your kids, but it kind of gets messed up. So I wonder if we could just walk through this idea of standards and, uh, and assumptions. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about just the, the anatomy of a button and how a standard works and how that sets up the button to get pushed. Yeah. Well, just to kind of take it out of parenting so it's easier to see, you could uh, think of yourself as in, in the line at the grocery store and you've got a little kid on your hip and you've got another one in the, in the cart and you're late for getting your older child from the bus and you've got to get out of there fast and you've only got the things that you absolutely necessarily need but the woman in front of you has bought half the store (laughs) and the cashier is 
just going so slowly, scanning every little code, and she can't get it right, and she's doing and you are thinking, why can this store not hire competent people? What is wrong? I'm never coming here again. And somebody from behind you leans forward and says, oh, the poor thing. I bet it's her first day. Okay? So those are two different ideas of the same situation. Two different ways of perceiving the situation, right? We know all these stories. You know, 10 people can watch a car accident happen and you get 10 completely different stories. You've got yeah, the blind yeah. man feeling the elephant story. You know, <laughs> everything is perception. Yeah. There really isn't a truth. I don't want to get into that, cause, but there, everything is it's perception. reality of right? subjective. Yeah, yeah. It's very subjective. So one parent can get their button pushed when their child says, you're stupid. Fly off the handle. Don't right. you ever talk to me like that. And yeah. another parent doesn't get their button doesn't pushed Doesn't phase at all. them at all. Right, right. It's no problem, right? <laughs> right? So why is that? And so where what we do in the book is go through the layers that are underneath those assumptions, right? So where yeah. does that assumption come from? So let's go through with I'm stupid. I have the expectation, perhaps, that my children should be respectful every time they speak to me. Yeah. That comes from a standard that I was brought up with, right? You don't say anything but nice things. You know, you don't say anything like that in you, in right. this family, right? Or else. <laughs> and then, then below that is the belief that I have taken in about myself, that mm. I'm stupid. Now... When we are, we parents are trying to teach our children something, for instance, how to speak respectfully, I don't like it when you call me stupid and I'm going to teach you how to be respectful, perfectly good intention, right? right. But if that button has been pushed... I am going to scream at this child. I am going to yell. I am going to blame. I am going to threaten. You don't ever talk to anybody like that. And yeah. blah, 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 blah. Now, what happens on the others, this is what I call the gap, right? The gap is the space between me and my child when my intention of teaching goes down the drain because my button right. has been pushed, but the message to my child is loud and clear. Mm. So in a very childish, very immature, very undeveloped brain, this child is hearing, I'm bad, I'm wrong, mommy doesn't love me, I'm not as good as my brother. I am not good enough. I can't be who she wants me to be. Whatever it is, some form of I'm bad gets in there. 
And that goes into my subconscious brain. I don't know how to question that as a little child. I can't say, oh, mom's just having a bad day. You know, she doesn't really mean that. You know, like software on, like data on software, we, ju- we take in everything we hear from our parents and the important people in our lives when mm. we're little children as the truth. But we interpret it, right? I once had a a mother talking about this situation with her her little four-year-old, and they just butt heads like crazy. And her daughter started saying things like, you think I'm stupid. Stop calling me stupid. And then it ended up with, I'm stupid. And in class, this mother said, you know, I have a lot of problems with this child, but stupid is the last thing I would ever, ever call her. She is so smart. I can't stand it. I would never call her stupid. So I said, why don't you ask her what stupid means to her? And the next week she came to class and she had asked her daughter, and her daughter said, well, when somebody's mad at you, it means you're stupid. Hmm. So that could sink in. You know, depending on how you, the child, perceive what's happening in your life, you make these decisions about yourself. Yeah, and right. unless we go through years of therapy, unless we go through all kinds of, you know, personal growth workshops and really examine this, they drive everything we do. But you can couch an awful lot of it until you have children. Ah. And your children know you better than anybody, (laughs) way better than you know yourself. (laughs) They just are jabbing those thorns in, you know, if there's a button to be pushed, they're going to push it. They're going to find it's like that. Putting thing. that big red button up on the wall and saying to your child, "Don't you whatever push you that. do, don't touch it." Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if it's there, it's going to be pushed. You write that your children are your teachers, and yeah. and it's kind of like yeah, by pointing out those sore spots, it can help you realize that wow, there was a standard there that doesn't really make sense. And that's what was generating those assumptions. And then you can look deeper and figure out what the belief is, you know, underneath it. I think it's really powerful. And it's cool how it's not just parenting, even like what you brought up at first, this example in the grocery store is you have some standard that a grocery beggar should be efficient or I don't know, whatever it is. Right, exactly. Should be fast and speedy. Yeah, exactly. Right, that led you to have all those assumptions in your head about, oh, this person's incompetent and I'm never coming to this store again. This place is terrible and they can't hire good people. It's so true that it's the same thing that happens in our head, you know, when the kid is doing something, uh, those assumptions just start going. And I like, you said something in your book about specifically using really strong language when you voice those assumptions. Can you talk a little bit about how to uncover what your assumptions are like that? Ah, well, because we don't pay attention to those assumptions, we don't realize we're having them. You want to start with 
your reaction. So after a situation is over, every parent knows I didn't like the way I reacted. I, didn't really I, react, that too well. I was like out of control. <laughs> right, I right. couldn't. But we think that the child is making me do this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know that when your button has been pushed, your reaction is anywhere from totally ineffective to damaging. And no parent likes that feeling, but they just don't know what to do about it. What they think they have to do about it is get their child to change, get their child to behave differently. So this is the choice point you're at. When you realize that your button is getting pushed, your choice point is, am I going to use fear tactics and punishment and threats to get my child to change? Or am I going to recognize that this is my button, this is my responsibility, and I can change, right? And that's the choice. So if you have chosen to do something about this, after a situation is over, write down your reaction. You know, I, I screamed. I yelled these words. That was my mother coming out of my mouth, right? Yeah. And then ask yourself, how did I feel? Because that's pretty easy. I was enraged. I felt hopeless. I felt resentful. I felt guilty. I felt Mm. blah, 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 right? Yeah. So you want to write those down. Then ask yourself the question, if I felt that way and reacted that way, what must I have been thinking? Mm. And that's the way you get to it. Also, there are exercises throughout the book. And I also have a workbook that's got much more detailed stuff in it that help you put your situations into these exercises Mm. so you can figure it out for yourself. But the key question is, what must I have been thinking? And we make these assumptions about our kids. He's so mean. She's violent. When is she ever going to listen? He will never learn the always and the nevers. He doesn't know how to take responsibility for himself. She just goes at me every single day. She's, you know, these judgments. Assumptions are always judgments. And we take them in as the truth. And so we react accordingly. So when I am able to change that, so what what we do in the work is when you can identify some of the assumptions that you're making, for me it was she's out to get me, right? Yeah, yeah. That is logically and naturally going to lead me to feel furious. Right, right. And maybe helpless and maybe out of control and blah, blah, blah. Right. So I've got to recognize what it is I'm thinking, my perception of my child, and also my perception of myself. I'm a failure as a parent. I don't know how to handle this. (laughs) I had a woman in a group of mine once say, I should never have been given a uterus. (laughs) 
she was saying it as a joke. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, that's where we, I should never have had kids. Yeah. A lot of parents get into that place where they just feel like such failures. Mm. That plus the thoughts we have about our kids just take us down that vortex and we're lost. Right. And there's nothing, and you're completely in your head about what a failure your child is, what a failure you are, and you feel hopeless and you don't know what to do. And so you just hope and pray that this will pass and you go on to the next situation and you have dinner and you go to bed and then you start all over again the next day. Right. But these situations build up and build up until you feel like your family is not working very well and your kids yeah. are at you all the time it creates a uh environment where there's like uh you know you're going at each other kind of or there's like two sides almost where it's like wait we're all on the same team here we're all in the same family exactly and when we can't take it what our children are doing we get into power struggles and my definition of a power struggle mm. is two children the same age out to get what they want. That's what we're all about. We all want what we want when we want it. I tell parents to recognize that that is your child's job. It is your child's job to get what he wants when he wants it. Right. And I was speaking to a large group of people once, and this dad way in the back of the room called out, when can we expect that to stop? <laughs> and the entire audience burst out laughing because somewhere in there we realize it doesn't ever stop. It's not going to stop. We all want what we want when we want it, which is why we get our buttons pushed. And the difference is that the maturing process means that I learn that, oh, that person wants what he wants when he wants it too. So if I want to be in relationship with this person, I need to have some consideration for what this other person wants. Sure. That's how relationships work. But we expect that kind of consideration from our four-year-olds and our eight-year-olds and our 10-year-olds, you know, it's not going to happen then, right? It's the maturing process. It's a slow, long, gradual process right, right. when we come to appreciate. And the way we learn it the best is when our parents have consideration for us and what's important to us. Right. And if that doesn't happen, then it's, it's much harder to learn. We're here with Bonnie Harris talking about what to do when your teenager pushes your buttons. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. So the answer is problem solving. And in order to use problem solving, you really need to use connective communication. It's been called lots of things, reflective listening, active listening. Basically, it is acknowledging what is going on for your child. A connected relationship for teens with their parents 
meaning they know they can talk to their parents about anything if they so choose. They know their parents are there for them. They know their parents support them and acknowledge them. That is the number one preventative for absolutely anything we're afraid of happening to our teenagers. Hmm. Okay, let's say your husband or your wife comes home. And they start getting into some very sneaky behavior, and they're not doing what they've said they're going to do, and you find out that you're being lied to. Are you going to say, okay, give me your iPhone? Are you going to say you're grounded? You don't get to go play golf next weekend? You know, you don't do that with anybody else in your life you know that it means there's a problem with the relationship and you've got to work on the relationship. Whether you can do it yourself or whether you get outside help, it's exactly the same thing with your kids. It's about relationship. I often say to parents, when you were being, when you were brought up, did you get to say your side of the story? Did you get to tell Ah. your parents your side of the story? Not a lot were given that opportunity. What could have been causing this? Right. You know, his favorite jeans were in the wash and he didn't get to wear the jeans that he really wanted to wear today. That's the trigger. What's the feeling underneath that? Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.